16, Acts 16, and appreciate Brother Munoz, that special, and uh, reminded me of the verse in the Bible that says, whatever we do for the Lord, we should do it heartily. And uh, what a passion that Brother Munoz has for playing for the Lord, and that God has used uh, his music many times to just get my heart right, even for the preaching of God's Word. And so if you found uh, Acts 16, if you would, let's stand tonight, if you're able to, for the reading of God's Word out of respect for the Word of God. We're beginning a new series tonight, and uh, we spent uh, about two and a half, two and a half plus year, uh, years going through the book of Acts. Tonight, we're going to start a new series called Finding Joy in the Journey. I think that's something that will help all of us is having joy in the journey. Many times it gets a little bit difficult in life. And so notice here that it's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice to rejoice. And that's what we want to do is rejoice in the Lord. We're going to look as we begin this series at Acts chapter 16 at uh, this church in Philippi. And the Bible says, beginning in verse number 9, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Semostrea, uh, Tracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia in a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of, that, of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. We sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of uh, Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide here, excuse me, abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us. And cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour, when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceeding trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Pray that you bless the Word of God 
As we begin this new series on Sunday evenings, Lord, may we find joy in the journey. Lord, may this Christian life be all that you have designed it to be. May we know your will, follow your will. And Lord, I pray that you would always, as you have in the past, always encourage us and send people our way that would encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the Word of God tonight. <clears throat> when, you, when you get to the book of Philippians in the Bible, uh, you find that the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written to the church that was located in Philippi. If somebody asked me, where do you go to church? I'd say Bible Baptist Church of Pembroke Pines, Florida. And so this church was a body of believers that were located in the city of Philippi. And again, the key was is that it was a church. It was comprised of believers. Now on this map that you see on the slide tonight, this would have been during that second missionary journey that Paul uh, was taking as he was making his way around spreading the gospel. And you can see the journey that Paul took as he made his way up to this city known as Philippi. We come to Acts 16 tonight, and we find that this is Paul's first visit to this city in Acts 16. And through a series of events, and many times that's what happens in our lives, it's God working, God orchestrating. But through a series of events, God brought together a core group of believers with whom the church was thus founded with. Those people became that church. When I look back, I believe if my memory serves me right, that in 1950, that there was a man, pastor by the name of George Zemer, that was in North Miami, that God uh, led him to that particular place, and he began to reach out and win people to Christ, people started getting saved, and about 36 or 38 of those folks that had been reached with the gospel, banded together and chartered what is known as Bible Baptist Church. It was the beginning of what we still are a part of today. It was a body of believers that said, we believe the Word of God to be true. We believe that God has a will, and His will is that the church would be the vehicle that God would use in this present day to get the gospel to the regions beyond and around the world. And our church, just like the church in Philippi was founded. Now, this foundation is important. Uh, I look around, we went over to the couples retreat and, you know, building everywhere we've lived. And we've lived in, we've lived in the Midwest, we've lived in the South, we've lived in the Northeast, we've lived out on the West Coast, and now we're down in the Southeast. And everywhere I've lived, because I used to do construction, I tend to watch how they build houses. And boy, when I came to South Florida and I saw how they're making everything out of block and concrete, and then I am introduced to things like Irma and Maria and almost Harvey, I realize why they build out of what they build. But I know how important it is that that foundation is right. And the Bible says, look in 1 Corinthians 3, no other foundation, verse 11, no other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, folks, there's already, before Paul got to Philippi, 
There was already a foundation that had already been laid. And it wasn't concrete. It wasn't footers. It wasn't block. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of the church. The Bible says also in Ephesians 2.20 that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself. Notice that word, himself being the chief corner stone. Now that was, again, a different day in how they built. And what they would do is they would establish, they would set a cornerstone, and from that cornerstone, everything was built from that cornerstone. Everything was built upon that foundation. Folks, look, if this church is not built on the right foundation, it will crumble, it will fall, it will cease to exist. That's why many churches today have closed their doors. Churches are going out of business because they're built on the wrong foundation. Folks, I'm not here to take a poll to find out what will make people feel good. I'm here to build upon the foundation that's already been laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Are you with me tonight? Am I in the right crowd tonight? All right. Now think about this, because this is all setting the stage for Paul writing to this body of believers known as the church in Philippi. We call it the book of Philippians. When I think about this church in Philippi, I think about our church because those foundational principles and what happened after that foundation had been laid is what we're going to be studying on Sunday nights. It's going to give us joy in the journey. This is so important that we see this. So after Paul, we read about it here in these first couple of verses tonight, after Paul received what oftentimes we call the Macedonian call. You know, Paul was heading in a certain direction. The Holy Spirit basically closed that door and said, Paul, listen, I've got somewhere else for you to go. God began to redirect him or really direct Paul Paul arrived in Philippi, and the reason he arrived there was because he arrived under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. People ask me sometimes, not necessarily here, but I have had a few ask me here, Pastor, how did you end up in Florida? There's only one answer to that. Actually, I could give two. One is the Lord led me here, and the second one is my wife prayed for a warm climate. <laughs> She didn't pray for the hurricanes, but she prayed for the warm climate. But that's what Paul did was he, he followed the Lord's leading. And as he got there, what he found was a group of people that had heard just enough that when Paul came, he began to share the word of God with them. In other words, Paul began to preach to them. And I want you to see tonight... As this church was founded, notice it was founded by preaching. The Bible says, again, on verse 13, that they went out of the city by a riverside. Prayer was wont to be made. We sat down there and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Now, at this time in Philippi, there was no synagogue there. And Paul, the Bible says, he went first to the riverside to begin his ministry. I've heard people say, listen... A real preacher doesn't need an excuse to preach. 
Uh, they say, you know, look, at just at the drop of a hat, you should come over to my house sometimes, my daughters and my wife will say, look, stop preaching to me. You know, it's just when it's in you, it's going to find its way out of you. And understand that what God has intended for the church is that a church would be founded on the preaching of the Word of God. Uh, John Wesley, years ago, look what he said. Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. I mean, Wesley said, look, if we just had 100 preachers, it'd make a difference in this world. Somebody said, and I don't know who to give credit to this, but I like it. The preacher is not a chef. He's a waiter. God doesn't want you to make the meal. He just wants you to deliver it to the table without messing it up. That's all. That's what I am. A lot of times I think to myself that I am the one preparing the meal, that I'm the one. No, no, no. God's given his word. What I need to do is just get it to the table so that you can eat it, so that you can digest it, so that it will change your life. Charles Spurgeon, who was used mightily as a preacher of the gospel, he said the preaching of Christ is the whip that flogs the devil. The preaching of Christ is the thunderbolt, the sound of which makes all hell shake. I like that. Because that's what, look, the devil doesn't like preaching. He doesn't like the word of God. But can I tell you what will make our churches stronger? You know what will make Christians stronger Christians? The preaching of God's word. We need the preach word of God. Notice that as Paul was there and this little group of believers, Paul begins to preach. Notice, first of all, he preached to Lydia. The Bible introduces us to this woman in verse number 13 that they were there. There was this group of women resorting there in verse 14, a certain woman named Lydia a seller of purple in the, of the city of Thyatira. She worshiped God. And the Bible says she heard us whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Notice that these people, they, they, they came to hear Paul. And as they came to listen to Paul, whether they were Jewish or not, they were interested in hearing what Paul had to say and when Paul began to talk, one of those individuals was Lydia. And the Bible says that her heart was opened. I love it when people's hearts are open to what God would have them to do. Maybe how God would speak to them. Tonight, your heart needs to be open to receive. And that's what Lydia was doing. And the Bible says, look at it again. It says, which heard us. Now, if you look at that, the tense of that verb, it's imperfect meaning that it's in the past, but yet it's going on in the present. And here's what that means. She didn't just hear Paul preach once. She heard Paul preach again and again and again. You know, I sat in a church just like this, where a preacher would get up and preach every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I rarely missed a service, but guess what? Three years of hearing that preacher God finally got through my thick head and my hard heart. And the word of God does change lives. And this, this woman, Lydia, she heard the word of God more than one time. Why is it so important? 
to hear the Word of God. Well, the Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, this woman's heart had been opened. But not only had her heart been opened, but notice her heart was changed because she not only heard the Word of God, but look what it says in verse 14, whose heart the Lord, uh, uh, the heart Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Now look in your notes, because I want you to understand this phrase here, where she attended to, here's what it means. She gave attention to it. She took heed to what Paul was saying. She took, look now, watch. She took what she heard from the word, and she applied it to her life. How does this affect me? How will this help me? How will this change my life? And not only did she try to make an application, but she held it or she cleaved it and she held on to that thing that she was hearing from the Word of God, the truths, and she had devoted thoughts towards it. She was making an effort in her life to change, to be what God wanted her to be. And the Lord, as he was dealing with her, and her heart was open, and she was attending to what Paul was preaching, guess what happened? All of a sudden, the selling of purple cloth didn't mean near as much to Lydia as the Lord did. You know, I found in my life that I had a lot of things that were very important to me before I got saved. And after I got saved, those things just didn't seem to matter anymore. You know, I placed such a high priority on them before I got saved. I've said it before, and I'm not down on anybody. I can remember how Sunday, about all I did was watch football. I still love the game. It's my favorite sport. But I rarely watch it, and I'm, I'm not against people that do. But honestly, it just, it just doesn't hold the same place to me anymore. I spend most of my Sundays at church. And guess what? I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. <laughs> I just go and watch the watch the scores and go, whoop, I'm glad I didn't sit and waste three hours watching that one, you know? Somebody told me earlier, they said that the Dolphins lost like 20 to nothing today, and I thought, well, that's the Dolphins, you know? No, no sense of getting upset about it. Folks, look, I don't even know who won the Super Bowl last year, but I still know some Christians. And again, I don't, I'm not faulting them. I know some Christians that know statistics of everything on their favorite sports team, but they don't know any Bible verses. See, Lydia... She went down to that riverside, and her heart was open, and she attended. She, she said, how can, I, how can I bring this into my life? How can I let the Word of God change me? And Lydia was one that, again, her, her desires change, and she begins to identify with the Lord and with God's preacher, the Apostle Paul. And look at the Bible, says in Acts 2, we know these verses. It says, they that gladly receive His Word were baptized the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now watch, it doesn't stop there. They became members, but look what it says. And they continued, look at the word, steadfastly. Folks, a lot of times people get saved and they're like, well, I'm a member. Folks, it's great to be a member of a church, to be a part of a body of believers. But you're missing the, the, the best thing, the best part of the Christian life is get involved continue 
steadfastly. And you know what oftentimes has spurred me on and has nudged me on is the preaching of the Word of God. God will use a message and the preached Word, and the Word of God begins to work in my life, and it's, it's cutting both ways. And I realize that maybe I need to have some better desires, that God's doing something in my heart. And so here's what Lydia does. Look, all the things that used to matter to her so much, those things don't matter anymore. You can see that because here's what she does is she then is willing to use the resources that God has given to her. And she says to the man of God, hey, look, why don't you come on in? I'll lodge you and all those that are with you. Now, a lot of times people wouldn't open their homes up to anybody. And Lydia, outside of the preached word of God, she doesn't know Paul. She doesn't know anything about him. But she invites him in, she shares. Well, how does that happen? The word of God began to affect her. And so we see Paul preaching to Lydia. But notice also in the passage, he goes from this seller of purple to this girl that was demon-possessed. And what does he do? Same thing. He preached to her. Look what the Bible says in verse 16. It says here in verse 16, And it came to pass, as we, this is Paul and his companions, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by Sue, saying, The same followed Paul and us, and cried, uh, saying, uh, cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that same hour. Now here... Here, Paul, Paul sees this girl that is demon-possessed. The girl was possessed. She was under uh, the control of an evil spirit. The wording here, the spirit of divination, is actually dealing with someone who is, is like a nowadays a fortune teller type of a person. And the Bible's clear about this. Even in the Old Testament, look what it says. I think you have in your notes, Deuteronomy 8. When thou art come into the land, God said, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, Thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, that's someone dealing with the dead. Look at what it says. For all these, all that do these things, are an abomination to the Lord. God said it, I didn't. Don't take it up with me. A lot of people today want to go have, have their tarot cards read. They want to go sit with somebody that will tell their fortune and all these types of things. God says, look, these things are an abomination, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. So this girl was demon-possessed, and look, all as Paul was doing was preaching the word of God. And here's what happens. This girl that is demon-possessed, it's not her, it's the spirit that has control over her. She's following them around, and every time Paul starts to say, Thus saith the Lord, this spirit, this evil spirit in this girl starts piping up, starts saying something. You know, folks, it's hard sometimes when you're preaching and there's people talking, when there's children carrying on. Now, I'm pretty good about it most of the time. A lot of times I just ignore it and go right on.
But here's what I'm thinking is, I might be able to preach on through it, but I know this, that's a distraction to all the people that are sitting anywhere near that person. And that's exactly what the devil's trying to do. Did you ever notice how to an invitation, people start moving around, people get up, walk out, do this, do that, start moving around. Look, I'm going to tell you something, that many times is the devil because he does not want people to be focused on the preaching of the Word of God because he knows the preaching is what's going to change their lives. And here's this girl, and she was possessed, and the Bible tells us that the girl had a problem, and her problem was this, she just kept crying out. The word there means to cry out aloud, to speak with a loud voice. I mean, she just was badgering the man of God as he was trying to preach. But notice also that this girl, she was one that was used by her masters. Look what it says in verse 18 again. She did this many days. Paul, being grieved, turned, said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out this same hour. Here's this woman. She was pardoned by, by, by the, the Lord to, to get the Spirit out of her. Paul gave the command. And notice how he gave the command. He didn't say, I, Paul, the great apostle, say, get out of this woman. No, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ. You want to make the devil mad? Just mention the name of Jesus. Just mention the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find out how mad the devil gets. And he, he invokes the name of Jesus and the evil spirit is defeated here. And folks, can I tell you today in this day and hour, that's why we pray. We pray in Jesus' name and we find here that we have spiritual authority, the same authority that they have, that we who are saved, we are a child of God. We have spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. Can I remind you, 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children. And have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Folks, we have an authority that's higher. And that's what Paul, look, as he was preaching, Paul thought to himself, you know, nothing is going to stop me from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not even this spirit that's in this girl. And so he commands the Spirit to come out. So look, if you're talking about a church, guess what? A church is founded upon preaching. But notice, if you're going to preach, if you're going to share the gospel, give out the message of God, you know what's always going to follow that. Look at secondly, a church is founded on persecution. There's always going to be somebody that's fighting against it. John R. Rice said many years ago, the world never burned a casual Christian at the stake. I think you said it pretty right. It's always somebody who's on fire for God, somebody who is living for God. And so here's what happens. Because of this situation, you know what they did to Paul and those that were with him? They brought, first of all, false accusations. Look at verse 19. When her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison. 
charging the jailer to keep them safely. So here's what happens is, is that this damsel that had the spirit of divination, she was delivered of this evil spirit, and guess what happened? Those that were making merchandise of her, they were mad. They were big time upset. You take away somebody's uh, opportunity to make money, and they get very, very, very upset. Money is the big issue for many people in the world today. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, the love of money is the root of all evil. And look at the words here, which while some, and I think this was the masters of this girl, while some coveted after, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, what do we do when we are falsely accused? Let me give you a couple thoughts here. First of all, we need to remember what Jesus said. And here's what he said, if I can paraphrase it. He said it this way, Blessed are those that persecute you for my name's sake. Remember why people are doing to you what they're doing. They're doing it because you're a Christian. And honestly, if you are going to live for Christ, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You might as well mark it down, folks. It will happen from time to time. So remember what Jesus said if you're falsely accused. Secondly, don't be surprised. Look, if they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute you. Don't be surprised. Thirdly, guard your heart. When somebody starts to persecute you for your faith in Christ, folks, listen, put a guard over your heart. And, and can I add to that? Put a guard over your mouth. Be careful about what you say, how you react. Very important that you understand that the heart is the wellspring of life. Out of the heart comes the issues of life. And then fourthly, if somebody falsely accuses you, look here. It's this simple, but it's not easy to do. Forgive, forgive, forgive. That's what Jesus did. And so they were falsely accused, but notice they also were put in prison falsely, false imprisonment. You know, they were cast into the inner prison. This was a very difficult place, and, and no doubt they, they, like Peter, understood these words that Peter wrote down later on. Beloved, that's talking to Christians now. And here's what the Bible says. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But here's the word, rejoice. That's what we're talking about, finding joy in the journey, right? Uh, rejoicing is a choice. And the Bible says, look, when something happens, a fiery trial tries you, don't think it's strange. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. You see, folks, we need to see that there are going to be times that, that we're going to be we might, might not find ourselves in the inner prison, but we might find ourselves being falsely accused. And I, I have found as I studied the Word of God that oftentimes before the deliverance, 
There is a time of waiting. Remember the children of Israel? Think about how long they spent in Egypt before God delivered them. There's a time of waiting, and you see under Roman imprisonment that, boy, it was a very brutal thing. I mean, I can't even really paint the picture, but as I was looking through and thinking about that, what they would do to these prisoners, they would strip them naked and they would flog them. Then they would chain them to a wall or to another prisoner or to a guard. Many times they were in poor, poor conditions and they had little or no clothing and, and they, were, they were sitting in darkness and it was cold. There was a lack of water. Listen, on and on and on. You think about what they went through before God delivered them. And it was in that setting at midnight in that inner prison while he was being persecuted that Paul wrote words of encouragement that are words that we still hold to today We'll study in the book of Philippians, you know what they are? They're words that even though he was shackled, even though he was sitting in the inner prison, guess who he was still talking about? Jesus. You see, you couldn't shut Paul up. You know why? Because he understood the importance of preaching. You see, Paul and Silas, they, they praised the Lord. Philippians 1.4, the Bible says always, he wrote this while he was in this prison, always and in Every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Folks, he knew the joy of the Lord, and, and their praise was preceded by prayer. The Bible says in verse number 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Notice that comes before the next three words, and sang praises. They prayed, and they asked God. Oswald Chambers said, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things that can only be learned in a fiery furnace. That's what Chambers said. Look at the Bible says in James 5, verse 13, is any among you afflicted? Look at the next three words, let him pray. Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee. You find here that praise is something that is produced by the Holy Spirit, along with those spiritual gifts that, that we find in, in Galatians chapter number 5. Look at this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Notice again, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. I mean, just like the passage here at midnight, Paul and Silas, look, he's in prison. He's being persecuted Look, not for some crime, but for preaching. He's been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the psalmist in 119, verse 62 says, At midnight I will raise, rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Now there they were. They were in prison for the wrong reasons. But notice, I want you to see that while they were there, look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. I see the power of God here, folks. I'm reminded of that in Colossians 1. By him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him and he is before all things 
and by him all things consist. Hey, look, they were in prison for the wrong reasons, falsely accused in false imprisonment. But listen, I want you to see that the church, yes, was founded upon preaching, and the church, yes, was founded upon persecution. But notice also that the church, thirdly, was founded upon professions of faith. Hey, look, what is a church? It's a body of believers. It's people like Lydia that whose lives have been touched by the truth of God's word. Look in verse number 31. The Bible says in this chapter, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. See, here we see the focus on the preached word of God. And the Bible says in Galatians 3, that Ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's the only way that you can get saved. I mean, here's this man that was left in charge and and, and, and he's left there in the prison and, and all of a sudden their chains were loosed and the keeper awakes out of his sleep and he sees the doors open. He drew his sword and he was going to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had fled and that was something that honestly he knew that if the prisoners are gone, it's my life. But I want you to notice that we see here that Paul says, sir, we're here. He says, do thyself no harm. And then he called for a light, verse 29, sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, listen to these precious words, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's interesting what his thoughts were. What do I do to get what you have? Folks, that's what people need to see about Bible Baptist Church. There's something different about you. I don't know what it is about that church. It's people that believe in the preaching of the Word of God. It's people that maybe from time to time have experienced some persecution along the way. But when you look at it, it's people that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's wonderful sometimes just to hear testimonies of how people came to know the Lord. A lot of times my wife asks two questions when we sit down with people. She'll ask them, how did you get saved? And then being a woman, maybe she likes to ask, how did you meet? And a lot of times she likes to hear both of them. I enjoy hearing how people meet, how they meet one another. But I think even more important, it thrills my heart to hear how they met the Lord, how they came to know Christ. Here's this man, he was, he was keeping them in prison and Paul thought it was so important. Listen, more so than just getting out of there, Paul thought, here's an opportunity. I need to witness to this man. This man needs to know Christ. And the Bible says in John 6, look at it there, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the, that meat which endureth under everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him, him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, what shall we do? that we might work the works of God. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Same thing that he shared with the Philippian jailer. is Look, you want to be saved? You, you want to make sure that everything's going to be okay in the days ahead? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Know that the Lord is your Savior. So I see here that it was founded upon professions that there was a prison worker that that when the situation changed and the power of God took over 
and the persecution for these men ended that there was this prison worker that was right there that was ready to be saved. And then what happens, look what it says here, a prison worker's family. Look at verse number 32. The Bible says, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. Notice it's not during the day, it's in the evening. He took them, and the Bible says that he washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his house straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Now, folks, this is just the story of one individual, one house. But do you know how people get saved? One soul at a time, one person at a time. There's a Philippian jailer out there this week that if you would just look past maybe some of the persecution, the Bible calls it light affliction. It's but for a moment, folks. If we would look past that and see how important it is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I've never had anybody say, what must I do to be saved? But I have had people in a short amount of time saying, how do I get that? How, how can I be saved? How can I know for sure? And here's a man that was so affected that they, his whole house, heard the word of God. They were all baptized and they ministered to this preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, I love the story here and we're going to look at it in, in the Sunday nights ahead that God can take a situation and he can bring fruit out of a difficult time. And only God can do that. Look at a great verse here as we close, 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Now, here's something. If you like to study God's word, take some time this week and study out those words there, perfect, establish, strengthen, settle. And you're going to realize that God has done something very, very special in your life. God wants to settle your heart. When I think about a church, look, I'm looking at the church tonight. Not everybody's here that's a member of Bible Baptist Church, but the church isn't this building, it's the people of God. And the church, listen, not the building, the people, were founded upon the preaching of the Word of God, upon the persecution that came, and upon the professions of those who put their faith and trust in Christ. That's what a church is. And it's, it's our choice to rejoice. And that's what we need to do is find joy in the journey. Let's bow our heads tonight with our heads bowed. Lord, thank you for this evening and for the Word of God. Pray that you just help us in the days ahead, Lord, to be a church that continues to stay true to you and true to the Word of God. Lord, I pray for our focus in the days ahead with the special project, Hope for the Islands, and even people here locally, Lord, as we look for just uh, little moments that we can uh, just share a little hope with people. But Lord, the only way we're going to do that is if we're a changed people. 
Lydia was a woman that had her heart open. She gave attendance to the Word of God. She said, I need this in my life, the preached Word. And the persecution sometimes will come. Paul endured that while he was trying to preach. But he didn't give up. He didn't quit. He just kept being faithful to the Lord. And God, through that faithfulness, you turned a what seemed like a bad situation while he was sitting in a deep, dark, cold prison. He and Silas, there they were, the two of them sitting there, I can almost see it, as they prayed at midnight and sang praises unto the God that they knew, put them there, and could deliver them anytime he chose. And as you began to work by your mighty power, God, you gave him an opportunity. There's a man that needs to know Christ. And he's a, he has a family. Lord, I think about the 21 or so that came today, that many of them may not know Christ. And we need to, we need to as a church, try to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, I pray that you bless now this invitation. Bless the rest of the service. In Christ's name we pray. As a piano.